Well, today, um, I wanted you to hear and to be able to process with me the beauty of remembering that we are each God's masterpiece. And there is much to be said about how awesome each one of us in this room truly is. Not because you've done anything, per se, but because God made you, and He loves you, and He wants a relationship with you. So I want to start off with a statement here, and then we'll begin to break it down eventually throughout this morning, that a gift is not ours until we believe it is ours. We take it and we receive it. A gift is not ours until we believe it is ours and we take it and we receive it. Imagine yourself that I or someone in this room gave you an amazing gift. It's something that you really, really, really wanted. I don't know what that is anymore. Every day there's a new tech out there that I'm sure you could, you could tell me is better than the, the tech that I would describe to you today. But imagine that someone gives you that gift, but instead of receiving that gift, looking them in the eyes and saying the traditional, thank you, you said, how much do I owe you? Now in that moment, it has lost its original purpose. It is no longer a gift because you're translating it as, oh, I need to pay you for it. I need to earn this. This is no longer a gift. I mean, if you went to, to an Apple store or a Samsung store or you went, and you went to buy something and you said, I would like that iPhone right there. And they went to hand it to you and you said, thank you very much. <laughs> it's not a gift just because you say thank you. That's stealing. If you hand them money, they're not going to say, enjoy your gift. They're going to say, thank you. Because they gave you a product for the money. And it's quite a few dollar bills that you have to hand over anymore. Or imagine another scenario. If I walked up to anyone in this room and I said, I would like to give you my Bible. And then you went to receive it but then you actually said, no, 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 thank you. I, I don't believe you. I, I, I don't want it. I deny that Bible's existence. I don't have time to use it. Ooh, wouldn't that be a really weird moment for me and for you? You deny its existence. It doesn't have a purpose. I don't want it. Can you imagine how that scenario just changed? Talk about awkward. Let alone, I don't even know how to proceed in that situation. If you're bold enough to say, I don't want the Bible, I don't want to listen to the Bible, it's wrong, it's I, no thank you. Well, we all know somebody that would probably say that about a Bible, right? Well, I began reading, and before we get into Ephesians and we continue this thought, I began thinking about gifts a lot, and I thought about Titus chapter 3. And, it, and I'm jumping in, I don't like to do this very often, but I'm kind of jumping in the middle of a thought, but in Titus 3, 
says, but when our God, our Savior, revealed His kindness and love, He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth, a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Christ Jesus our Savior. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Now, I imagine a free gift, and it's really hard for me to process a free gift. Because sometimes I think if anybody, I don't, I don't care who you are, if you give me a really nice gift, it's hard for me to really receive it. Is anybody else like that? Where you're thinking, are they trying to earn something here? Are they trying to get on good rapport? What did they do? Or what did I do? Like you, it's hard for me to just receive. And I, I'll confess that. It's something I've worked on. And it, it's a really strange thing for me to just say thank you and genuinely mean it. And I don't know what it is about free gifts. I guess I've gone to too many stores where they say, if you sign up for this, you get a free gift. And then you sign up and you get all the bonus features of all the callbacks and all the things. Oh, it wasn't really free. Let me tell you about what you owe now. Or a free trial membership. Anybody ever gotten duped into one of those? That was the most annoying thing in the world. You can't ever get out. And then they sold your email and your phone number and all that stuff. Well, when I consider this, I, I remember in Titus that it is so clear that God expressed His loving kindness to us. He pours it out on us. So generously, He pours His Holy Spirit out on us. It is a free gift to us that we have to receive. Just like I was trying to give away my Bible. Not really, because I need it right now, but you can have it after, I guess. But just like I was trying to give that away, in essence, God is giving us this free gift, but you have to posture yourself to say, I receive it. I can't force, I can't walk around and say, take this free gift right now, right? No one in here would be, I don't want that gift, that's, that's aggressive. I don't want to talk about that. That's not the way that Jesus comes to us. He does all the work. He finishes everything on the cross. He genuinely loves each one of us, no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, and He still gives you a gift of salvation. All we have to do is receive it. Isn't that fascinating that we overcomplicate it? I want to break down into a few things that we're going to talk about today. The free gift of salvation will result in acts of worship and service. Now, I want to be careful there because that one can already get dicey. Because it can sound like this free gift means you're going to do things. But there's a difference there. When someone shows you genuine love, you begin to want to serve and love them back. No, no parent can force you to love them. But every parent loves their child. Most parents love their children. And, and children don't always show love back, but it doesn't change the feeling of the parent. 
I've worked with so many different people over the years where the, ch- the child has made a poor choice and whether they got caught or they're in prison or whatever the result was, but so many conversations. I love my child even still. I just want, I want them, I want them to find Jesus. I want them to find their way. Well, chapter 2 in Ephesians as we begin to read this, there's this, the second and third. I want to say those before we get into Ephesians. There is powerful, creative work put into us. We're going to break that down further. We should not dare treat others or ourselves with disrespect or as inferior. We're going to get into those. But as we go into chapter 2 of Ephesians, we've already made it to chapter 2. I know you're excited because that's moving fast for me. Uh, Chapter 2 reminds us, it begins to break down further how we are sinful. We are fallen. It reminds us of our sin condition and the result of our sin. It reminds us of our personal sin, our past sin. It reminds us of the condition of death and what happened when we sinned for the first time. And we mustn't forget these things. The memories of the past are the best fuel for gratitude. If I've not rescued you from something significant, then you won't really be grateful. Like if I, if I save you from stepping in a puddle, that's a pretty small and significant thing. But if you're about to step over the ledge of a mountain and I save you, it's a big difference, right? And what God does is he rescues us from the eternal pit of sin and death. So our memory of where we used to be before we knew Jesus, those memories of the past are the best fuel for our gratitude. Your testimony is unique to you. Whether you had a great childhood or a terrible one. Whether you've made horrible decisions or beautiful, wonderful decisions. The moment you sin, you are separated from God. And you fall under the wrath of death. And that's what Ephesians breaks us into today. And it's a little bit lengthier, so I'm not going to apologize for that because it's Paul. So sorry, it's Paul saying sorry, but not really. So this is good stuff. So let's read in chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And we already had 8 and 9 read by those lovely ladies this morning, so I appreciated that. It's beautiful. And, and uh, I plan to communicate with any of you that want to read before uh, the sermon. I would welcome that. I would love to hear any of, from any of you that would like to read during the sermon. Um, it's awesome to have others join in. So feel free to let me know. Verse 1, chapter 2, New Living Translation is what I'm reading out of. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your sins... You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Now that's a pretty rough couple of verses there. But I love verse 4, and you're going to hear why in a bit. But it says, But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life. 
when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. And here we go, verse 8. For God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Beautiful passage here. This one could be the whole sermon series if I wanted to. This is really good stuff as we break down these verses, as we let them um, feed into our soul this morning. I pray that they are an encouragement for you. I want us to consider and really begin to look at verses 1 through 4, kind of separating the two. And it's this wonderful reminder that sin has caused death and we are separated from God. And verse 4 is where I really want us to, to just pause. It's a, it's a strange phrase, but it's one that I want us to really take notice of and take to heart today. In verse 4, you'll see that after all of this anger toward, that God had towards sin and death, and those that refuse to obey him, we see in verse 2, people that are following every inclination of their very nature, verse 4 says, but God is so rich in his mercy and he loved us so much. Now, wherever you're at in this world, wherever you, whatever you've done, whatever you've thought, the sins that are in your life, I love how God changes the script right here. It's no longer about death and dying and following evil ways and listening to the ruler and authority of this world, the devil. It's no longer giving him any authority. It's saying, but God. And I don't know when that moment took place in your life when you believed, or maybe you aren't quite there yet, but the moment that God shows up, everything changes. He rewrites our script. When all the mistakes in my past, I don't highlight those mistakes anymore. God changed the script. God showed up. But when God did that, his mercy and his love canceled out the sins in my life because I had a faith and a trust in him. We didn't do anything to deserve it. We didn't give some gift to God. God doesn't need a gift. He's perfect. He's all-knowing. He's all-present everywhere at all times. What gift could we possibly give him? Be like, here, God, here's a piece of paper. Well, I made the tree. Uh, Here, God, here's my voice. Well, when I spoke, I created galaxies. God, wasn't that a lovely song I sang to you today? You know, it was. Thank you for singing it to me, but I gave you that voice. I can't even begin to fathom anything that I could possibly give to God. And that isn't from a a pessimistic mindset. That's just to put into reality 
God is so far greater than anything I could possibly do, say, or I could perform all kinds of tricks and I could do a magic show up here, but it would be nothing in comparison to what God has done. When I just think about the first moments of creation, and, and it's hard for me, as I talked about last week, talking about eternity forward, I have a hard time imagining what that looks like and it doesn't make sense to me. But I have a really hard time thinking about eternity backwards. At some point, God decided to create. Huh? He was already there. Nobody created him. And then the moment that he decided to create things, and as he spoke, light came. And as he spoke, planets appeared. I mean, if I tried to do anything, it looks like Play-Doh, and it would just fall apart and be hilarious. All the things that I've created, it looks like I didn't pass kindergarten in comparison to what God has done. And that is so beautiful. So wherever you're at in your story, I want us to remember verse 4, but God showed up. He is so rich in mercy, so rich in love. When you were dead, He gave you life. When you were distant, He brought you in. When you ran away, He was always waiting for you. He's the good Father that is waiting for us. Verses 5-7. through seven. I want to look at those. Um, I want to look at those together today. As we, we go further into this, we recognize that we were brought to life. And, and there's this silly illustration that prom, probably each one of us has experienced. I don't know if you have exactly something like this. But when I say there's creative, powerful work within us, there is, but it's through Christ. But we're going to get there. Has anybody ever been sitting in a children's classroom, the little guys that are using finger paint? Has anybody ever experienced this? And it's everywhere, right? You don't even know how, but some of them have like war paint on their face. It's on elbows. It's on shoes. It's always everywhere, right? Well, this paint gets everywhere. Has anybody ever had the dreaded moment? I remember this happened to me. I'm not going to throw my children under the bus. This is everybody that's ever talked to a child. You've experienced this. But I remember when my oldest was giving me a, a piece of artwork that he had created, because that's what it was, a piece of artwork. I, and he handed it to me. He said, look. And I looked. And he said that dreaded question, what is it? I don't know, but in my brain I'm saying, if I say I don't know, it, no matter what I guessed it was, I could have guessed a giraffe, I could have guessed a rock, I could have guessed a person, I could have guessed something beautiful. I don't even remember what I guessed, but I remember he said, no, it's me and you. <laughs> I was like, oh, of course it is, right? Isn't that just hilarious, though, that I, I imagine us, when we try to do, when we receive a gift from God, when we receive God's salvation, and then we say, God, I'm going to do some good works for you. I've got some really good stuff lined up. I am going to make you proud, God. Now, I'm not saying that God's going to look at it and go, what is that? But <laughs> I do, maybe sometimes. <laughs> but I have to imagine that God just smiles at us sometimes and goes, you don't have to do things for me. 
You are loved. You cannot work your way into a more loving relationship. I love you now as much as I ever will, and it is more than you can handle. God's love is supreme. It is good. And as we see these verses, we were dead in in five, and then he brought us to life. And we get into six. He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us in the heavenly realms because you're united with Christ. You can't earn a seat. You can't earn a seat next to God the Father. There is no way that you and I will ever be able to sit next to the Father except through Christ Jesus. If we are united with Christ, then we're allowed to sit right there. A place that we've not earned, a place that we shouldn't get to sit next to, but we get to. That should boggle your mind. God, why on earth do you allow me to be united with Christ? But that's the way God's works. He doesn't hold some bank account where you have to do a certain amount of things. He says, when you accept my son, you are forgiven, you are united, you are welcome. And then in verse 7, but God, and this is also hard for me to fathom, but it's beautiful as well. God can point to us in the future ages as examples of his incredible wealth, of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Now I can picture this one. Verse 7 starts to make a little more sense to me because it's basically saying, this is not what God's saying, but this is kind of what my brain does with it. It's like God pointing at me and seeing, if I can save him, if I can use this one, look at this example, I can use anybody. Now, did God say that? No, that's not what I'm saying there. But that's a part of it. God saving each one of us in this room is so miraculous, so wonderful, that he wants to point to future generations, see what I did through I mean, look at the, all the pillars of the faith. We look at Old Testament, you, it doesn't take long. You look at the New Testament, it doesn't take long. Anybody that you think is a rock star and they are just an amazing follower of God, they have a past that God redeemed. And some of them were struggling through it and fighting through it even when they were leading people towards God. Even when they were the leader of the pack, they still had skeletons in their closet that's hard for me to process because i want people to be perfect if if they're going to be my example but nobody's perfect all of these examples i I just there's so many that flood my mind whenever i try to think of people that were chasing after god but i mean i just what comes to my mind right now is even like moses he's one of the few people that was able to look on, uh, whether it was the, you know, the glory of God or the, just the, the backside as God walked by, but he was able to look upon God. He, he was able to receive the Ten Commandments twice. <laughs> uh, and we see this beautiful relationship that he has. But Moses was so tired. I can relate to Moses. He was so frustrated with the people. 
And, and if you've ever had people say that they want water, has anybody ever, like, if you had, like, little children that are begging for water, have you ever been in a really dry place and you don't even have water for yourself and everybody's miserable and the temperature's rising and everything's getting more irritating? Well, imagine Moses with millions of people or hundreds of thousands of people begging for water. I bet you would have smacked a rock, too. Because God had shown up earlier and given wa- water through a rock, but I... You know, we've all hit our breaking point before. We're human. But God looks at us and shows us off and says, I can redeem this one. And I want you to recognize that your example is powerful because you get to point people towards God. Let's go further into 8 through 10. Now, 8 through 10 is powerful. There is plenty of time that we could spend in this. 8 through 10. We are saved by grace. Say that with me. Saved by grace. One more time. Saved by grace. At the end of that verse, it says, you, can take, you, can't, you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Gift from God. I want us all to say it. Gift from from God. We can't earn this. God has wrapped up the most beautiful gift, but you have to receive it. You have to believe it. You have to receive it and say, I want you, Jesus. I want to be united with you, God. I want to serve you. Verse 9 says, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, just in case you haven't heard me say it yet. That you cannot do enough to earn God's grace. We can't boast about it. And verse 10, I think somebody needs to hear this today. It says that we are a masterpiece. Don't look around the room. Don't look back in the Old Testament and say, well, there were some masterpieces, or I see a few masterpieces in this room where God took his time and made them better. God's talking about you. You are a masterpiece. Will you receive that gift of God's word to you today? Don't look at yourself and say, yeah, but I don't have this, and I don't have this, and I don't have this, and I fail here, and I fail here. Does God even know what he's talking about? Yes, he does. You are a masterpiece. I don't care what people say about you behind your back. You are a masterpiece. I don't care about your past and your sins and the way that you've walked away from God. If you've accepted Jesus into your life, you are a masterpiece. Now and forever. He wants you. He loves you. And in case you didn't hear it, I feel like I might need to repeat myself sometimes for, just so that I'll remember it. Romans 5, 8-10. through 10. But God showed His great love for us by sending His... Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life 
of his son. I love the word reconciliation. I love the thought of reconciliation. If you've ever been distant from someone or you've had a beef between you and somebody else, and that's a weird phrase, why in the world would you have beef? If you ever had a chicken between you and somebody else, <laughs> and you just think to yourself, what, what, how did we get here? Or you can't even remember what the argument was about. Isn't it wonderful to be reconciled? It's the most bizarre and amazing thing to be reconciled to somebody. Because most of the time, they want it too, unless they're really grumpy. But there's people in my life that I need to be reconciled with. And I'm certain there are people that come to your mind like, well, I haven't, I haven't talked to them in a while. I'm mad that they stole whatever or said whatever or did whatever. Did you hear that you are a masterpiece and God's so proud of you? And he's so proud of them and they are God's masterpiece. So what could possibly be between the two of you? Now, I look to Wikipedia. I know that's the most amazing resource ever. Take it for what it's worth. But it defined reconciliation. I thought it was really good. Reconciliation is the end of the estrangement caused by original sin. Good job, Wikipedia. The original sin is between God and humanity. So if God can be reconciled to you and I, and we've done everything wrong, you can be reconciled with others. A couple of suggestions, a couple of applications. Maybe you want to take some of these and run with them today. Um, I imagine writing down... Now, this might be a really painful list. I, I, don't be thorough on this list, but writing down all of your flaws... <laughs> All of your not good enoughs, all of your daily miscues, but then finish the phrase with, but God, and let God take over that mistake. It's just like verse 4 that we looked at in Ephesians 2. But God, so rich in mercy and loving kindness, and it goes on from there. I want us to remember, no matter how bad, how distant you are, God showed up. Where's the but God moment in your life where you need to remember his authority and his love? And then this is a challenge for each one of us. Some way, maybe you can be really artsy with it. Maybe you use finger paint. I don't know. But verse 10, I want you to write your name. Just first, last, middle, whatever you want to write there. Write your name and then write after it, I am a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Your name, I am a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Now there's this last slide that I'm going to show you, and I know you can't see it, so that's okay. We're just going to ignore that fact. But I was, I was doing my studying this week, and this page, it's like it jumped out at me because it was, it was like in the study notes right in the Ephesians passage, and I thought, you've got to be kidding me. And I'm not going to read all of it, but I just want to read a few of the things that were from Ephesians. In verse 4, it says we are holy and without fault. In 5 and 6, it says we are adopted as God's children. In chapter 1, verse 7, it says our sins are taken away and we are forgiven. In verse 10 and 11, 
It says, we will be brought under Christ's authority. Verse 13, it says, we are identified as belonging to God by the Holy Spirit. Now getting into the chapter that we're in, chapter 2, verse 6. We have been raised up to sit with Christ in the heavenly realms. And then where we ended today, chapter 2, verse 10. We are God's masterpiece. Now, this isn't anything special. This is like uh, some Bible scholars that just compiled a list, and I thought, wow. When we think life is just falling apart, can we be reminded that God loves us? Can we be reminded we are adopted? Our sins have been taken. We, are, we belong to the Holy Spirit. We are God's masterpiece. There's so much in here. And we've only just begun. I only read up to where we're at. There's more. Isn't that fascinating that there's more for us? I want to pray a blessing over each of us here today. Thank you for listening and receiving. I pray that you are challenged to remember that you are a child of God. You are a masterpiece today. Let me pray. Jesus, Holy, holy Jesus, we worship you. We thank you for coming to this world that you created. We thank you for redeeming us, for dying on the cross for us, for forgiving us. We know and we believe that you can do all things. Today we want everyone in this room, myself included, to receive the gift that you bring to us. Salvation redemption. Help us to receive it, open it, believe it, want it. And then as a result of that, want to go out and serve because of the great gift you've given us. We don't want to just open up this gift of salvation, Lord, and then just throw it like socks on Christmas morning behind our back. We want to receive it and say, Jesus, I accept you. I welcome you. I love you. And Lord, I need help because I want to believe I'm a masterpiece, but I need reminders. Help me to glorify you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.